0: Heavenly Father, thank you that you have gathered us uh, online and on-site uh, as your people around your word And we pray that you speak to us now uh, as we look at your word together Uh, We pray that you uh, show us Jesus and help us to respond rightly to him. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen Every day of our lives we need to make decisions some decisions are small decisions Some decisions are big decisions, but all of them have consequences for ourselves and for others. The biggest decision that we will ever have to make, the decision with the greatest consequences, will be our decision about Jesus. What will we do with him? How will we treat him? For that decision will not only have consequences for this life, but will determine where we spend eternity. Back in Old Testament times, thousand years before Christ, there were people who had to make a decision about David. Would they be with him, or would they be against him? Would they be loyal to him, or would they betray him? Because you see, God had chosen David to be the next king of Israel. But the king of the time, who had been rejected by God, was King Saul, and he was still on the throne. David had always been loyal to Saul, but Saul wanted to kill David and David had to flee from him. And so David was a fugitive. He had gathered over 400 loyal men who supported him. Initially, there had been a stronghold in the wilderness called the Cave of Adullam, but God had told David to go back to Judah, and so he did, and he and his men were hiding in a forest of Harath. And Saul and his men were punishing those who they thought were helping him. And that's where we pick up the story at the beginning of chapter 23. David is told that the Philistines, the enemies of God's people, are harassing an Israelite town called Kayla. Now remember, he is the anointed one. Uh, he's a shepherd, the saviour of Israel. So, But now he seeks God for guidance. And God tells him to go and attack those Philistines. But his men are hesitant. They are already scared here in Judah. They are hiding from Saul. Now you want us to go and attack the Philistines some So David inquires from God again. And God answers in verse 4, Arise, go down to Cala, for I will give the Philistines into your hands. And David does what God says. He and his loyal men, who are now willing to go, are sure, now that they're sure that he's obeying God, they go and David strikes the Philistines a great blow. He saves the people of Calah. And once again, David is the savior of God's people. Now Saul hears that David is in Kalah. He thinks he's trapped. He says to himself in verse seven, God has given him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Actually, of course, Saul is kidding himself, La. Huh? God has no intention of giving David into his hand. It might look like it, uh, just because, you know, by ourselves, we can't just look at our circumstances and work out from that what God is thinking. Right, we might guess, but we can't know. God might have his own plans. And actually, Saul already knows that, that God is with David, not him. But it's amazing how he can fool himself uh, with talk about God. Using religious language, even to ourselves, is no guarantee of godliness or accuracy. Saul prepares to attack the city. He doesn't have a standing army like nations do today, so he summons the men of Israel to come out to war. And David gets wind of the summons. He calls on Abiathar, the priest, to consult God for him. Assuming he stays in Kelah, will Saul come down and attack him? The answer is yes. Would the men of Kelah hand him over to Saul instead of trying to defend him? Answer, yes again. Okay. So David and his men, who are now number 600, leave Kayla, And they go into the hill country, the wilderness of Ziph. Isn't it terrible that the people of Kalah were willing to betray their Savior? Of course, it doesn't happen now, because David flees. But, but God knows it would have happened if David had stayed, for he knows their hearts. And he knows that they would not be willing to take the risk and defend David against Saul even though David had taken the risk and saved them from the Philistines. They were willing to betray the Anointed One. Well, David and his men head back out into the wilderness, and there he meets someone who is indeed loyal. Jonathan, Saul's son, the crown prince, David's good friend, goes to Horesh to meet him. And verse 16 tells us that he strengthened his hand in God. How does he do that? He reminds him of God's promises. He says to him, verse 17, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel. See, God had promised David the kingship. And so no matter what happened, No matter how much he was marginalized, no matter how much he was betrayed, no matter how much he was hunted, he would be secure. He shall be king, and Saul will not be able to stop him. God's promises are secure. And brothers and sisters, what an encouragement that is for us, isn't it? We encourage each other, not by telling each other how good we are, but by reminding each other of God's promises. Because we too have been given great and precious promises if we are in Christ we have been promised forgiveness of sins the Holy Spirit eternal life treasure in heaven a future in the new creation like David we are on the winning side But sometimes it's easy to forget and we need encouragement we need someone to strengthen our hand in the Lord because we do get discouraged at times we can look at all the battles and all the betrayals and all the disappointments, and we can forget God's promises. Jonathan, strengthen David's hand in God. Is there someone whose hand you need to strengthen? And is there someone you can ask for help to strengthen your hand when you need it? Well, Jonathan. He believed God's promise to David. He's willing to give up his throne for him. And so he says in verse 17, And I shall be next to you. I shall be next to you. He's willing to stand beside David in support and humility and take the second place. And this is good and right and noble and commendable in intention. But you know, it will never actually happen. God promised David the throne. He didn't actually say anything about Jonathan. Jonathan, being next to him, wouldn't turn out to be part of God's plan. And friends, there are things in our lives that we might plan that might be good and right and commendable, but will never happen. Because they're not actually part of God's plan. And no matter how good or noble our plans are, God's plans are actually better in the end. Plan to do what is right, but in the end, remember, the future is in God's hands. He knows best. Well, after he assures David that he'll be king, Jonathan adds a very interesting observation at the end of verse 17. He says, Saul, my father, also knows this. You see, Saul knew long time ago that God had given the kingdom to someone else. Samuel told him. And now it's pretty obvious who that someone is. He is fighting a losing battle, but he keeps on fighting anyway. And that's really silly, isn't it? But that happens all the time. The forces of evil in this world, the devil and all his hosts, they, they were conquered at the cross. They know their destruction is, is, is their destiny. But they fight on anyway. And there are people who join them. People who know they, they fight a losing battle against God but still won the fight. Well, don't, don't do that. It won't end well. David and Jonathan, they renew the covenant they made, the promises they made to each other. David stays in Horash and then Jonathan goes home. Now, remember that Horash in the wilderness. is in the wilderness of Ziph, right? Uh, And it seems like it's named after the town of Ziph, which is in the area. And the people of Ziph, the Ziphites, know that David is hiding around the area, these parts of the wilderness that are very inaccessible, but they know where he's at. And so they send a word to Saul to tell him. Now, Ziph is in Judah, and David's from Judah. So the people of Ziph are actually betraying David, one of their own people and saul responds in very pious language he says in verse 21 may you be blessed by the lord for you have had compassion on me then he says go make yet more sure no one see the place where his foot is those who have seen him there for it is told me he is very cunning See, therefore, and take note of all the lurking places where he hides. Come back to me with sure information, then I'll go with you. And if he's in the land, I will search him out among all the thousands of Judah. And so they go, they spy on David, they send information to Saul. And Saul heads up. David is now in the wilderness of Maon, a few miles south of Ziph. And Saul and his men pursue him. And Saul gets nearer and nearer. And in fact, it gets to the point where, where David is on one side of the mountain, all right, which is really like a big rock. So David's on one side, Saul's on the other side, David's hurrying to get away, and Saul's men come to him from both sides like that. Okay, so it looks like it's gonna get trapped. And they're just about to go in for the queue where a message comes from for Saul. The Philistines are attacking, you've got to get back here right now. And so just as things seem desperate for David, Saul has to call off the hunt. And the place is called the Rock of Escape. God had rescued his anointed one. The saviour was saved. Well, as we look back on the passage, we know that this can't just be a nice story from many years ago. Actually, that's right. It, it has great relevance for us. Because, you remember, David points forward to Jesus, God's ultimate anointed one, God's promised king. Right? David saved God's people from the Philistines. Jesus saves God's people from sin and death and Satan and hell. As God saved David, the Savior saved, from being captured by Saul. He not only saved Jesus by keeping him from being arrested before his time had come, but by raising him from the dead when he was finally crucified. David points forward to Jesus, the Anointed One who suffers first before he enters his kingdom. And so how people respond to David helps us to think about how we are responding to Jesus. And in our passage today, we have seen people respond with both loyalty and betrayal. First, on the side of betrayal, we had the people of Calah. David had rescued them from the Philistines, but when Saul threatened them, they decided to betray him to Saul. They weren't prepared to suffer with David. And friends, don't treat Jesus like those people were prepared to treat David. If we are believers, we know that Jesus has saved us from sin and death and hell. And so, of course, we welcome him into our life. He's our Savior. But his presence with us invites the hostility of his enemies. Will we suffer with him? will, Will we be willing to remain with him when the enemies attack? Or will we betray him like like Judas did of old? Now, we may not literally betray him, but we may betray his people, his principles, his word. There are many people who are happy to be Christian when it's socially acceptable. But then when society doesn't like what the Bible says, they'll back out. Or worse, they'll pretend to still be Christian while undermining or purposely attacking what they know the Bible teaches. And that will bring the church down from within. There are people in the church, especially in the West, who have campaigned very hard for causes which are actually against the Scriptures. But as society changes, they want to change the church with society, rather than remaining on God's Word, because it's too costly. And don't think it's just a Western problem. We all face it here as well. Threats will come. Let us not betray the king when we are under threat and then we saw the loyalty of Saul the son of, of Jonathan rather the son of Saul his natural affinity would have been to his father his natural response would have been to fight for the throne but he acted in the opposite way knowing God had chosen David he accepted God's will he submitted to David and encouraged him in his task He's a very positive example for us, isn't he, as we relate to Jesus. Because by nature, we would be in opposition to Jesus. Because if Jesus is king of our lives, then we can't be la, and we naturally want to be. But by the grace of God, by the Spirit's work in us, we do what is contrary to the sinful nature. We leave our background behind. We embrace the true king. We submit to him. We let him rule. And we don't do it begrudgingly. We do it joyfully. We do it willingly. We do it from the heart. Because God's Spirit has been at work in our hearts, causing us to love our King and our Savior. But you know, the choice that Jonathan made to be on David's side was something that he had to keep on putting into practice. We are just, this already happened sometime already. He's been there, helping David. But the pressure that would have been on him the switch sides it would have been enormous from his father, from other people. But instead of succumbing to that pressure, he met, he met David and privately made a covenant with him. He renewed the commitment that he'd already made previously. And I wonder if there's anyone here today, either on-site or online, who has been loyally submitting to Jesus, where there's all kinds of pressures from within and from outside, to turn away from Him. Well, my brother, my sister, keep being like Jonathan. Keep being loyal to Jesus. And it may be that today is a time for you to privately renew that loyalty, to affirm afresh before Him your commitment to His kingship and your trust in His promises. And if that is you, then go ahead and make those promises to Him may be tough now, but it be worth it in the end. For unlike Jonathan, you do have a promise from God that you will be with Jesus and reign with him when he comes in his kingdom. And then we saw the response of the people from Ziph. They too had to work out what they would do about David because he hid in the wilderness near them. They had some knowledge of him, and they had to decide what to do with it. And all of us here, whether physically or online, have some knowledge of Jesus. Maybe you don't know him closely yet, but the very fact that you're listening to this sermon means you've been exposed to him. How do you respond to Jesus? Will you at least consider that he might be the anointed one of God who has a claim on your life? And would you be willing to get to know him better with the view of what's taking him on as your king and master? If you're willing, then go to stmarys.myslash connect, send us a connect card and say, I would like to find out more about the Christian faith. Or get a Bible, even use a Bible app, start reading the New Testament. Or Ask a Christian friend whom you trust to recommend to you what the next step might be. But just don't leave it here. Make a decision to at least consider carefully the claims of Jesus in an appropriately serious way. Now, going back to those Ziphites, remember they were from David's own tribe, the tribe of Judah, but their loyalties lay elsewhere. Not only did the Ziphites fail to help David, but they proactively betrayed him to Saul, almost got him killed. And this warns us, doesn't it, that there are some people who one would think would be supporting the Anointed One, but really aren't. Not everyone in Judah was on the side of David, and not everyone in the church is on the side of Jesus. There have been and there will always be people who come to church, who are active in church, who might even lead in church, but are not in submission to the rightful king of the church. The Ziphites remind us that not everyone whom you would expect to be loyal to Jesus really is. But finally, we've also seen David's men. They were loyal to him. They were afraid, but they still followed his lead when they were certain he was obeying God. They saved towns like Calah with him. And they were saved by God with him when God saved him from Saul. Let us be people who are likewise loyal to Jesus. We can always follow his lead because we know he always obeys the Father. We can save people with him as we proclaim the gospel of his salvation. And just like he was saved by his resurrection from the dead, we too will be raised in the end. For where I am, Jesus says, there my servants will be also. And so we've seen this morning that the people in ancient Israel had to face the question, what will you do with David? Some would be loyal, some would betray. And we've also seen that the biggest decision that you and I need to make today is what will we do with Jesus? Will we submit to him, let him be our king, be his loyal followers and friends, renew our loyalty to him, or will we turn against him and betray him? And that decision will not only have consequences for this life, but for eternity. The words of an old hymn, What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. One day your heart will be asking, What will he do with me?